0: Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. There really are so many great features with this app that it's hard to highlight just one, but I think... Uh, my two favorites are the ease of use, the, the way that you can just click two buttons and next thing you know, you have tickets to the biggest event in town, but also that you can see the view from your seat. That's so helpful when you are considering where to sit, how, how to, whether this ticket is worth it. Uh, it really is just, you know, I, it's been really helpful for me and I've enjoyed using it. And now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store, click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the Billing section, redeem code Athletic. Once again, that's The Athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019, so make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Hello and welcome to the Straight Cash Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chad Graff, thrilled to be joined once again by my colleague uh, at The Athletic on the Vikings beat, Arif Hassan. Arif, how did the game look today uh, on TV or watching in Minnesota with the thousands and thousands of purple jerseys here in Los Angeles?
1: <laughs> well, the... Uh... The the cameras were in love with pointing out how many purple jerseys there were, so I imagine it looked uh, pretty similar. I know that you said there was an estimate of maybe 75% Vikings fans, and then... A little bit later, you said uh, maybe you underestimated <laughs> the amount of Vikings fans
0: in the stadium. That's uh, it's what it felt like to me. It, it was surreal just like even to walk the concourse. I I walked the concourse. You know, I don't always do that, but I was like, hey, I'd, you know, I'd, there's no Starbucks around here. This place is kind of in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so I was looking for a cup of coffee. Turns out, A, they, they don't have any vendors that sell coffee, which seems strange to me. <laughs> uh, but B... It was so weird walking around and like whenever you would see a Chargers jersey or somebody in a you know Los Angeles shirt or something, you almost did a double take as if they were the odd ones out. It was, you know, I knew coming into this, of course, to expect that Vikings fans would be everywhere. And still, I think it exceeded my expectations.
1: Just remarkable. And I mean, the, the Vikings have traveled really well this season. So when you combine that with the fact that the Chargers don't show up at home in terms of their fan base it was kind of like the perfect storm for there to just be a
0: unique uh road environment even
1: if you could even call it a road game
0: right (laughs) anthony barr after uh said this was another home game for us we got to play nine home games this year which uh, fair enough, I guess. So the Vikings won 39 to 10 in Los Angeles, beat the Chargers who now dropped to five and nine. The Vikings are 10 and four. We'll sort of reset in a few minutes a reef and look at, you know, the playoff positioning, what needs to happen. But essentially it, it sets up, I think, kind of an anticlimactic finish where it's going to be really hard to win the NFC North. It's going to be really hard to drop out of the playoffs. What do you make of just where the Vikings stand right now yeah the
1: Vikings would need the Lions to beat the Packers in week 17 for there to be a shot I think <laughs> uh for, yeah, for the Vikings right. to to win the NFC North so I'll uh, probably cross that
0: one off the list <laughs> the Lions in week 17 with like trips to Cancun already planned playing right for a coach that clearly uh isn't inspiring them to beat <laughs> them the Green Bay Packers uh i I don't know (laughs) chalk that one up as a win to the packers to me
1: yeah the the lions have already given up on the season i can't imagine how much more they'll give up you know when the season's (laughs) actually over uh they don't even have fantasy to play for Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so I, i would say that that's uh not in the offing um but you know the vikings are essentially securing a playoff spot um Any win over the next two weeks or any Rams loss, if I remember that correctly, secures uh, a playoff win. The Rams, of course, play the 49ers, which the 49ers aren't invincible. We saw that today. Um, But it it seems pretty likely the 49ers are going to win that one. And I would wager the Vikings win one of the next two. Don't want to jinx it. But, um, yeah, the Vikings haven't clinched a playoff spot, but they've all but clinched a playoff spot. I mean, this is a team that... (laughs) you know, all but does a lot of work. Uh, they've they've <laughs> lost clear playoff spots before, but for the most part, uh, we we can say that this is a playoff team, yeah.
0: So the Vikings force seven turnovers today, the first time they've done that since 1995. Um, what, so I was completely wrong about this game. I thought the Vikings were going to have a lot of issues with this one. I said to numerous people over the course of the week that – I thought the Vikings would really struggle against the Chargers and then beat the Packers pretty handily. Uh, I was either very wrong or a massive blowout is looming in eight days. Uh, (laughs) I I can pretty much think that uh, I can chalk that one up to a loss. The Vikings uh, did not struggle in this one. Although, I I don't know. It's sort of a weird-ish game, I think, to look too much into because on the one hand, the Vikings win by 29 points on the road. Like... I don't know what else you really can say that they should have done. However, four field goals that they had to settle for. The offense was not perfect, and a lot of it was aided by those seven turnovers. Fadi Adenigbo, I think, in a play that you know really changed the trajectory. The Vikings give the Chargers the ball back. Uh, the Vikings are up twelve to ten, and the Chargers have a chance at the end of the first half to drive down and take the lead going into halftime. And then Danil Hunter. Forces a fumble of Philip Rivers, Afadi Adenigbo, scoops it up, then sort of drops it. Then another Charger, I think Eckler maybe picked it up, and then he dropped it. Uh, and then Afadi takes off from there for 56 yards and the touchdown. Well, what sticks out to you? You know, I, I guess how do you balance this game of you know sort of the absurdity of seven turnovers, which you know you're not going to get probably for years to come, with the fact that. You know, the offense, I think, was just okay. The defense gave up some yards early. Where do you make um, of where the defense was at?
1: Yeah, what's interesting is when you take a look at year-end statistics, the the Vikings will look really great on uh,
0: takeaways. (laughs) It's like (laughs) sacks last year thanks to the Lions game.
1: Yeah, right, exactly. And and you have to just remember, well, one of those occurred in one game. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it's kind of interesting. I would argue that once you take your eyes off the scoreboard, uh, like literally just the scoreboard, and and look at you know even the box score, the Vikings' offense. We didn't perform very well. They were given a bunch of really great opportunities to score, uh, and they didn't. And uh, you know, two touchdowns offensively, uh, and then the rest are field goals plus one touchdown defensively, um, or maybe three touchdowns offensively. Maybe I'm forgetting one here or there. But uh, (laughs) it's certainly given the number of opportunities they had inside the red zone, inside uh, inside goal line situations, they just didn't come away with as many opportunities as you want. But actually, I would argue that. You know, maybe there's there's kind of a good sign there because I don't think any of us expected the offense to be perfect throughout the playoffs. And the question was whether or not the defense would be able to get up and perform in situations where the offense let them down, which is kind of like the inverse question we've had for the Vikings right. <laughs> for the past several years. Uh, and one could argue that they, you know, they kind of answered resoundingly. Uh, they did give up a number of big plays defensively, but they made up for it with their own splash plays you know i don't know how reliably you can count on the vikings to be in that area going forward um you know the most stable statistic uh net yards per attempt i mean the vikings allowed philip rivers who's having a really down year to have something like 7.5 yards per attempt um so you know that's not amazing or anything like that but if you can supplement that with big plays maybe not seven takeaways but going forward (laughs) if you can get that defense can get two takeaways a game uh which would be enormous i mean that's asking a lot actually um then you can live with, like, holding below-average quarterbacks, again, Phillip Rivers this year, uh, to average performances and when you add in those takeaways. So that helps the Vikings, you know, benefited a little bit from fumble luck. You know, the, all the fumbles they forced, they recovered. Um, so, you know, that's part of the equation. But it's difficult to take too much away from the defense. I mean, yeah, they allowed big plays. Maybe that's more of a concern going forward than it is to say you can count on those takeaways. But I, I think that, you know, if those takeaways aren't, takeaways, I mean, they still result in in some pretty good plays, you know, by the defense. Early on, they gave up some third and longs. But, you know, for the most part, I would say the defense performed well enough. Uh, obviously, you had some help on special teams, uh, great downed punt, a fantastic partial punt block from Eric Wilson. You can't count on that every week, but it's something we haven't seen from a special teams unit in a long time. And I think a lot of that is, you know, we're kind of seeing what happens with a new special teams coordinator too.
0: Yeah. And the defense, you know, I just want to stay here for one, for a little bit and and zoom in on one player in particular, because you mentioned all of the questions that were around the defense, which uh, is a little bit weird, you know. I, it, earlier in the game, it was dawning on me that we were watching a Mike Zimmer-led defense where the secondary was struggling and and they weren't very good on third down, which uh, obviously is not what Vikings fans have come to expect. The front four, the defensive line, I think was always pretty good. They didn't even struggle early in this game. They they were just kind of good throughout. But Arif, I want to ask you a little bit. About Mike Hughes and your thoughts on him. He played a lot. Xavier Rhodes was sort of in and out dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, People have been clamoring for Mike Hughes to get more playing time. He's finally getting it. And then early in the game, It looked sort of like this was going to be a game similar to Dallas where the Cowboys just picked on him and Dak Prescott was kept going back to him for Amari Cooper. It looked like that was going to happen here in Los Angeles with Williams and Rivers connecting over the top once on the sidelines a couple times. At one point targeted Mike Hughes three straight plays and and it was not looking good for Mike Hughes. And then he, along with the rest of the defense, bounces back in the second half, gets an interception. So was there anything in the first half that was concerning to you is it sort of like the rest of the demons where it's difficult to balance you know what to make of the turnovers versus giving up the yards early how do you look at mike Hughes' game
1: yeah well i think um i think this game gives us kind of the positives and negatives of mike hughes i'll say that you know the negative plays he gave up he was in off coverage you know when he was playing well it seemed like he was pressing against the line so i, I wonder if you know uh, and i talked about that in my recent piece of the athletic about how the vikings were pressing at the line a little bit more um I wonder if that's going to be kind of uh, the direction going forward uh, if if they just kind of don't like what off-coverage looks like. And if anyone can play off-coverage out of the three starting quarterbacks, it would be him. Um, but, you know, it it looked like that's where he struggled, and Mike Williams is honestly a bad matchup for him because, you know, Williams has the size and he has the strength, Uh, and it it seemed like the Chargers knew that, and they intentionally lined uh, Williams up against him so that they could get that advantage, and honestly, that, you know, puts Keenan Allen up against Trey Waynes, which I think is a good matchup for the Chargers as well, Um, but yeah, you know, he made up for it. I, I think that having him play, you know, in man coverage or or in areas where he gets to kind of track the receiver a little bit more closely, resulted in better coverage overall from from him in the unit. Obviously, he ends up with a pick. That's, you know, not bad to have in your arsenal. It happens kind of late in the game. The game's already a little bit over, but it is nice to have, uh, and you can kind of build on that. Um, I would say it was largely a negative game for him, despite that pick, uh, but there's a lot of good signs in there. I thought the pass deflection on the second of those three consecutive plays was pretty impressive. Obviously, uh, the two surrounding it were not amazing. But uh, I, I'd i argue that there's positive flashes, but it was a negative game, and, and you want to see more from him overall. Mm-hmm.
0: Those late-game interceptions are interesting, and it's hard to, you know, what to really make of them. Like, even Anthony Harris gets a late, late one. I, I still, uh, just for a quick tangent, I'm baffled by so much of what the Chargers did today. I drastically overestimated them. I don't know what the hell they're doing, taking timeouts down by 29 points with four minutes left in the game. Like, there was so much that confused me. But anyway, Anthony Harris <laughs> picks off a pass lately. Like, I don't know, a minute left or something like that. And he, in the locker room, players were giving him crap. Teammates were giving him crap. Like, dude, you could, why, why aren't you returning that? Because he went down pretty quickly. Why aren't you getting those yards? And he was like, look, I <laughs> I think I could have gotten to the house. I could have had a pick six there. But it's late in the season. We're up by 29 points. The most important thing is that everybody gets out of here healthy Um at least you know, from that yeah. play, and that, <laughs> that was, he said, the um, reason that he didn't return it. Now, uh, this wasn't a transition I, I had in mind, but since we're talking about the health, we have to address, uh, I guess, Dalvin Cook's injury. Dalvin didn't talk after the game. Mike Zimmer didn't say a whole lot about Dalvin's injury, um, but what he did say was that this is not the same injury, the chest injury that Dalvin Cook suffered against the Denver Broncos a few weeks ago and one that we knew was going to linger for a bit i i would be a little bit worried about this one i think from a vikings perspective on the one hand dalvin hung out on the sideline the whole time that you know usually is not if if a player is seriously injured they're not generally hanging out on the sideline in their pads and everything which dalvin was doing on the other hand dalvin cook has now suffered two you know, I guess we call them upper body injuries in the last three weeks. One chest and one is hard to fully know what to make of. So um, where are you at? Like, On the one hand, Arif, we have discussed him a lot. We've discussed the fact that you know running backs can be replaced uh, easier than some other positions. Mike Boone looked very good. That was without even Alexander Madison. Um, on the other hand, we've also talked about how Dalvin Cook is one of the few running backs different from all of those. So if the Vikings do have to you know, go without Cook, uh, how big of a deal is that? And, and would you even at this point consider just shutting him down for the playoffs as he deals with these? Or is it, you know, hey, if you can play at 85%, get out there and, and see what you can do?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. Obviously, you'd have to kind of figure that out with uh, with the training staff and all that. So that's the obvious caveat to that that allows me to cop out of any answer. Um, but uh, beyond that, I would probably shut him down until the playoffs. I think that there's some pretty good evidence that Dalvin Cook... Uh, is kind of beyond other running backs in terms of his ability to create his own production. But the Vikings just generally can create rushing production uh, with a combination of their offensive line and the scheme that they've set up. Uh, we saw that with Mike Boone. We saw that actually even with Amir Abdullah right. if it wasn't for like a couple of holding penalties. Um, and when you can get down to whoever your fourth-string <laughs> running back is between the two of them and still produce big big gains on the ground, uh, that's probably a good sign that you know your running game is – Probably going to be fine. Obviously, the Chargers are a little bit different than uh, than a bunch of other teams, but at the same time, they've got a pretty good front four. So, I I would argue that this is good evidence that you can find ways to win games. And obviously, the Vikings are are very focused on winning against the Packers because it will kind of determine you know seedings and stuff like that. Uh, But you can win games when your running game is a little bit kind of banged up like that. And if it is that important. I would reserve uh, a Dalvin Cook for the playoffs if there is a substantial risk of re-injury or if he's going to be playing at 85 percent because I, I feel like, and I can't like, corroborate this, but if he's playing at 85 percent, he's more likely to do stuff like fumble the ball and they're not going to take the ball away from him if they're going to play him. So uh, it might serve everybody's best interests to wait until the playoffs again contingent upon kind of what all the medicals say and stuff like that if it's not the same injury
0: which uh, i find kind of remarkable honestly if it's not right uh, <laughs> I, I still have a little bit of a hard time believing that i'm sure we'll learn more tomorrow perhaps but yeah that that was a strange comment that sort of raised my eyebrows right yeah um if, if
1: it's something that you know substantially affects his ability to play beyond pain management or even if it includes pain management, I would probably just wait um, just so things can get better and, and you don't have, like, critical fumbles and stuff in the playoffs or you don't have enough running backs active on game day because you've activated him and, and he's kind of put himself at too much risk of injury. So, that I mean, those are my thoughts. I, I think the Vikings can produce a running game, uh, you know, with or without him, uh, which is really great news. You know, I don't know if we, we really thought that last year. Um, but,
0: uh, yeah, it's it, definitely, yeah, not.
1: <laughs> it certainly seems like that's something that they're capable of.
0: The straight cash podcast is brought to you by Roman talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses. Like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com cash, that's C-A-S-H, and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash cash to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash cash for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash cash. Okay, Reeve, I do want to stick with the offense just a little bit longer and get your thoughts on sort of, you know, the red zone troubles, the, the struggles to close drives. On the one hand... This was for most of the game, uh, or at least all of the first half and a little bit of the third quarter, as close to a full healthy offense as we've seen. Adam Thielen made his return, ended up catching all three balls that were thrown his way for 27 yards. On the other hand, you know, I think it's clear that he's still sort of being eased back into it. He sat out a few more plays than he usually does. Dalvin Cook, of course, suffered the injury in the third quarter. So. Is there much of a concern level from you because of the offense and their inability to close some of those drives? Kirk Cousins was 19 of 25 for 207 yards, uh, a touchdown and his first interception in a, you know, in a long while now that I think about it. Uh, So what are your thoughts on where the Vikings offense was at today? You know, I think you kind of captured it in the
1: last uh, bit that you said. It's been a while since he's thrown a pick and I think, you know, the offense overall has just been performing really really well. So, the fact that they had uh, you know, somewhat of a rough outing, like it wasn't even that rough, all things considered, uh, it doesn't bother me too much just because we've got kind of the background of all of their other excellent offensive performances behind them. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe I'm being a little bit hypocritical for praising the defense in the exact opposite scenario. But uh, I do think that <laughs> the offense, just generally speaking, will be fine. Um, the fact that they couldn't close in these situations is something to note. But it's not something that I think will continue going forward, especially – as, you know, it ended up being kind of less and less important. I know that the offense went into no huddle at some point in the first half, it looked like, uh, to try and kind of get things going, and that didn't necessarily work out. But uh, they were finally able to, as the game was closing, uh, score some on their own, on their own drives with the uh, with the Mike Boone touchdown. So uh, that helps. But yeah, I, I would argue that when the game was competitive, the offense wasn't really doing as much as they needed to do. They were barely staying ahead of the chains. You know, the Vikings didn't necessarily uh, even have the lead for the whole game. It felt like they should have been winning when the Chargers were up by, I think, two uh, and uh, or three. Or, it was a really odd game to keep track of the score. Um, but... Uh, when they did get end up getting ahead, it, was, it didn't uh, feel such convincing. A weird, and, a weird game from so many standpoints. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh, it, it didn't feel convincing, and, and, and they really should have been able to do more. Um, honestly, things like red zone percentage and, and stuff like that, that always worries me in the short term, but it doesn't really worry me in the long term because things like that bounce back. For a while, the Vikings were the number one red zone offense in the league. That got taken away. The number one red zone offense in the league, I think the week after that, dropped down to like eighth. Uh, I think it's because it was the Jets and they'd just been in the red zone like six times that year so so. Uh, any red zone um, <laughs> appearance would would kind of take the percentage. But um, yeah, it, it's it's an unstable statistic. Uh, generally, good offenses are good in the red zone. The most important thing is to be able to get into the red zone a lot. The Vikings weren't tested in that regard because they didn't start that many of their own drives back on their own like 25. And on those drives, they did all right. So Uh, Their ability to get into the red zone was fine from the limited samples that we have, and that would be kind of my bigger concern if I had kind of a long-term concern. Right now, the Vikings had some problems in the red zone. They need to get that figured out. That's something that is correctable and can be corrected and has historically been all right for the Vikings. So not concerned, but certainly worth noting that they didn't get the job done in a lot of situations.
0: The Vikings got some help uh, and, you know, didn't get exactly the perfect scenario, though, for their day the Dallas Cowboys blew out the Rams. Really, it was an impressive win for the Cowboys where it looked like they finally put everything together that they have long had. And the Los Angeles Rams, uh, what were a streaking, surging team, losing really helps the Vikings and gives them a bit of a cushion. So all they have to do is win one of their remaining games to clinch the playoffs. On the other hand, it would have been so fun if the Bears were able to complete that win against the Packers, either by the Hail Mary Uh, I guess it would have forced overtime, presuming that they got the two point conversion. But I'm going to put that aside right now and just say that the Bears put a one because if they found a way to win, that would have set up that a huge monstrous Monday night game. Like it'll still be a big game, a cool game for the Vikings, potentially a playoff preview. But as we talked about, if the Packers take care of things in Detroit, then. That game really doesn't matter all that much. I'm you know I, I only hesitate to say that because I know everybody within the Vikings and Vikings fans probably feel differently. It's still the Green Bay Packers coming to Minnesota. The team that you know it seems right now is probably the most likely one you end up playing in the first round. so perhaps you want to send a message a couple weeks before that wild card game. But if the Bears had won that game, then the Monday night game between the Vikings and the Packers is essentially for the division, um, which would have been so cool. So Vikings probably, you know, it, as the sixth spot, which means they'll travel to the number three team. Is there a team that is in play for number three, A reef that you think would the Vikings would match up much better against? And, and is there a team that you look at and say, boy, the Vikings are in a lot of trouble if this team ends up number three and the Vikings are number six?
1: Uh, that's a pretty good question because I hadn't thought about, you know, what team would be kind of the best opportunity for the Vikings given kind of the new round of seeding. I think, uh, you know, if, if everything ended today, which obviously is not the case, um, the Vikings would be up against new Orleans, uh, which I would argue is, I a think tr- that's right, yeah, it yeah, would be a tremendously bad matchup. Um, Agreed. We're on the same page. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't love that. Um, I think I think just to stop you there I think New Orleans might be the toughest matchup for the Vikings of any team in the NFC like even more than the 49ers I think the Vikings are just in a whole world of hurt if they have to go to New Orleans
1: yeah no I I, I do think that uh, there's there's a reason to believe that the the 49ers are actually a bit of a better matchup for the Vikings than the Saints because the 49ers are a bit more built around, you know, a fullback and a running game. And obviously, you know, they they do throw the ball a little bit and they've got uh, efficiency, but Drew Brees is by far a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo and their secondary is kind of where things are weak for the Vikings defensively. Uh, offensively, obviously, both teams are, uh, or when the Vikings are on offense, the, the matchup for both teams uh, is a little bit rough just kind of no matter what. So I think New Orleans is, is, is a really bad matchup and that's kind of where um the things fall right now and i actually honestly i thought that back in 2017 the vikings ended up winning that game and somewhat of a memorable performance so you know (laughs) anything is possible at that point um but the best matchup might just be the packers um unless
0: completely agreed yeah
1: i i i don't think dallas can get a third seed at this point uh, well, if they can, right. that one. I, I assume um, we're but, ruling out Dallas
0: just so that yeah. people aren't like, uh, but uh, yeah, why I, didn't I, you mention I, Dallas? <laughs> Dallas and Philly ruled out for this example. <laughs>
1: right, yeah, So I, I would say that the Packers are probably the best matchup. And, uh, you know, if the Vikings beat the Packers uh, at home, I think that doesn't lock in, but basically sets up uh, the that 6-3 matchup um, because – there's no way. Well, there is a way for the Vikings to get the fifth seed, and and Forty Niners have to lose some more games, or the Seahawks are kind of tied at this point. Um, but plus, they have got a game, so I guess I guess anything can happen. But um, <laughs> right now, the Vikings are are probably going to be the sixth seed. If they beat the Packers, they'll probably remain a sixth seed, which is an absurd thing to say for a potential twelve right. win team. <laughs> um, but. Uh, getting getting the Packers as the third seed is is really kind of the best opportunity. Um, they had a really interesting weird performance in week two against the Packers where they allowed three straight touchdown drives and then just put a stranglehold on that offense. Um, and so there's a lot there to say, hey, you know, things could go, you know, awry or things could go really well. Um, The Vikings almost mounted another comeback against them in that game. Um, I think just kind of as things have played out over the course of the season, uh, the Packers have been kind of lucky to stay ahead, I would say, of every 11-3 team over the past couple of years, the Packers are at the bottom quartile right. of 11-3 teams. I don't know how meaningful that is, right, because those teams are pretty good. <laughs> Still 11-3, and three, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Of 11-3 and three teams that are one of the worst is not a huge statement. But um, I, I would say there's more opportunity there than you'd expect for you know, if they end up being a 12-win team and the Vikings end up being a 12-win team, even on the road where where uh, the Packers ostensibly have an advantage. Um, although it's a division game where they're like, you know, an hour apart. So, you know, who knows what, how much that matters.
0: Yeah. Uh, the Packers, you know, it sounds like just from reading some of the quotes, are, you know, starting to realize that uh, the national perception of them is not that high. Aaron Rodgers said something to the effect of that today that, uh, a lot of people think that they are not quite as good as their 11 win mark and and you know hand up i think i'm a part of that group as well <laughs> Aaron Rodgers today 16 of 33 for 203 yards Aaron Jones had a couple of touchdowns but 51 yards rushing like the defense has dropped back they played pretty well against the bears but um i'm not ready to really crown anybody for keeping the bears offense in check Uh, so I, I don't know. We'll, I think we'll learn a lot more next week, but I have not been super impressed by the Packers really, um, in any facet. And I think what part of, I've gotten some people asking about tiebreakers and stuff and, and how the Vikings seem to not have any of the tiebreakers. (laughs) And it, it really is amazing when you think about it. Like, they're hurt, I think, by three of their losses are against NFC teams, which certainly doesn't help. That two of those losses are division losses. Um, they lost to the Seahawks, so they don't have the head-to-head one. They just—it seems like every team you look at, and you're like, oh nope, Vikings don't have the tiebreaker there. Nope, not there either. I don't know what it is. Apparently, those NFC losses are are really coming back to bite them. Yeah, should have traded some of those NFC losses for AFC losses. Right. Ah, no foresight. <laughs> so uh just give me your quick thoughts on uh i know this is a hot button issue to wrap up the podcast but it's officially packers week monday night game on where aaron Rodgers is uh there has been a lot of talk about uh his a lot of the advanced statistics telling you that he's not the same quarterback that we're also accustomed to seeing and yet i still think that the sight of him Going up against the Vikings is is one that would instill some fear in Vikings fans, even if, like, I think everybody knows that Kirk Cousins' numbers have been better than Aaron Rodgers, basically across the board, and yet in a playoff game, I don't know how many people are taking Kirk Cousins over Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if that completely makes sense or not, but what are your thoughts on just where Rodgers is out uh, as we begin to preview Packers week it would it would
1: be difficult to take it as an article of faith that Kirk Cousins is the better quarterback in the wild card game right like uh yeah yeah there's there's all the evidence in the world that that you know the Viking even if it's not Rodgers Cousins the Vikings passing offense is superior to the Packers passing offense if we want to remove kind of the 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 stigma or benefit that you get from certain names or talk about supporting casts or whatever uh, the the Vikings passing offense is statistically and like you said every way better than the Packers passing offense and yet when you head into the wild card game um, or even this next game uh, it it would be difficult to really believe that. Um, whether or not, you know, you're statistically minded like myself or whether or not you kind of want to watch a little bit more, or you kind of just trust the, the history of production that Rogers has or whatever. Um, it, it's so difficult to, to kind of just wrap your head around it a little bit just because of kind of the national perception of Cousins as being kind of empty statistically and that not translating into much and then Rogers being kind of a bit of a miracle worker even in down years. Um, but I personally, I, I do think that this is kind of just a, a situation where the passing offense for whatever reason, I think a lot of it's on Rodgers, but it doesn't help that there's only one good receiver there. Um, that that passing offense is just not productive. And the fact that you've got a bunch of really incredible highlight plays that many times Rodgers is the only one capable of producing um, kind of... Makes it difficult to fully buy in because you see those highlight plays and you don't see you know the ten throwaways or whatever, right? Uh, the fact that they're averaging under seven yards, I think, a pass attempt over the past couple of games. I mean, that's rough. You you can't expect an elite quarterback to to be called elite at that point. Um, and, of course, the fact that this is happening at the same time it's it's occurring to Tom Brady makes it very difficult to trust eggheads. Right. But, right. Um, <laughs> but you know, for the most part, yeah, I, I would argue that the Vikings uh, are better statistically as a team than the Packers. I would argue that that would translate into a better team uh, that would produce more wins. I would say the Packers are a little bit luckier in their wins than the Vikings are, which is not to say the Vikings haven't skated by in some games. They certainly have. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I, I can't honestly say that there's a really solid argument for the fact that the Packers are a better team, other than the fact that they won the head-to-head, which, you know, maybe that'll leave it out, uh, and uh, that they're winning the division, which both seem like very strong arguments, but those things matter less historically than kind of the underlying statistical factors like the strength of the passing game, the strength of the defense, and so on. So, that that's all true, but I mean, if they're tied and it comes down to like a dueling set of two-minute drives <laughs> Right. Ah <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> like that's, and the thing is, Rogers historically really bad at comebacks. Cousins statistically better at comebacks. And knowing that, I'm I'm still like, yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> that's that's all a very valid point. And I think there are a lot of Vikings fans who would be nodding their heads with you, like yeah, I'm, same boat, same boat, a reef. Um, (laughs) Stay tuned, though, to the Athletic Reef, and I will have plenty more, both recapping the 29-point win for the Vikings in Los Angeles and looking ahead to what should be a very fun atmosphere for Monday, December 23rd, the night game against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, But for this show, that will do it. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to the Straight Cash Podcast.